This is SG2 Perspectives, a conversation with SG2 experts and industry thought leaders about the biggest trends in healthcare and what we expect that's going to mean for the future of healthcare delivery. Prioritizing the market where they had the lower market share first. And the reason that that worked well there and the reason that I've seen that work well in my health system days is if you can use a market where you have disproportionately low market share, you can take some of the financial returns from that and then apply it to the next project. Hi, and welcome to SG2 Perspectives. I'm your host, Trevor Durin. Today, we're going to talk ambulatory strategy, and we're going to do it in two separate ways. First, we're going to hear from Brianna Motley and Eric Lamb, who just led SG2's Ambulatory Accelerator, which was kind of a unique model of how we collaborated with members to identify challenges, opportunities in ambulatory strategy right now. And then the second half of the podcast, we're going to hear from one of our consulting leaders, Jamie Logsdon, around how we are applying that to the frameworks we use when we do ambulatory strategy projects. I think this is going to provide a great combination of a theoretical and member-based challenges and solutions set up, and then a practical guide into one project and how we are using that as a guide to how we attack ambulatory projects. Thanks for listening. I think you'll really enjoy this episode. Eric, why don't you kick us off? What's an ambulatory accelerator? Give us kind of the background, the context. What was this thing? What were we hoping to do? And what did members get out of it? Thanks, Trevor. The strategic accelerator or accelerators in general are a six-week fast-paced course where we help organizations get started on their strategic planning or hone in or prioritize their strategic planning. We had six weeks of help members identify what are their key critical success factors? How are they performing? What is the potential impact of some of their strategy decisions in terms of volumes, financials? And then finally, the most important question of where do I focus my limited resources? Do I go after a certain key critical success factor? Do I go into a new market and offer a new service offering? All these questions are ones that you need to identify before you start implementing strategy. The goal of the strategy accelerator was to help them narrow down the strategic priority. That's a good overview. Help us think about what was the scope and what were members really hoping to achieve through working through this collaboratively rather than everyone working on it individually. There's a few parts to it. The first and foremost is identifying critical success factors. We broke out nine different categories from consumer-focused, integrated and efficient approach, appropriate services, and created an assessment for organizations to do a self-assessment of how are they performing, where are some of their gaps, and what are some of the areas they should need work at in order to capitalize on the growth in the ambulatory space. The second component of it was the quantification analysis of what are the areas are going to grow in the next three years, the next five years? How much volume do I have? How much volume is there potentially in the market in terms of the organic growth that my organization can capture? And most importantly, what is that five-year or three-year financial opportunity in terms of what additional incremental revenue can I gain? After those assessments are done, we did a prioritization not only of what services in the ambulatory space, whether it be procedures, major minor, diagnostics, endoscopy, imaging, PTOT, E&M visits for primary care and specialty care. What areas should I improve upon and how should I go upon improving upon those in terms of those critical success factors? And we help them prioritize which areas they should invest their resources in. One of the benefits of the Accelerator is a collaborative community where organizations share what are some of the things they've tried, some of the things they tried but didn't go well, tried that went well, and organizations can leverage learnings from each other to apply to their own market and their own strategy. 
Eric hit that second point pretty spot on. The power of the accelerator and really what members are able to achieve together is leveraging a common framework that really brings together organizations around here's a structured approach to planning in the ambulatory setting. We know that the setting is complex. And so that framework that combines both how do you measure success and how do you leverage data to prioritize in a structured approach was powerful. The most powerful aspect of the accelerator was being able to come together weekly and talk through what's working for you in your market. How is that different from what I'm doing in my market? And what can we take away from the conversation and the learnings that we share amongst each other? Because at the end of the day, ambulatory planning is difficult. One of the learnings from the accelerator was that nobody has this perfectly figured out. There are still some pretty immense challenges levels do kind of vary from market to market, but at the same time, there are learnings that can be applied across all. What were some of those key takeaways or learnings you felt like were themes that were helpful to go through collaboratively as people could see areas of success and challenge for others? So what were some of those key takeaways? We identified a couple. The first probably most interesting to us was how difficult consumer focus was as a critical success factor. And it was interesting because consumerism in general, I feel like, is something that we've been talking with our members about for a very long time. And yet it still seems to be elusive. It's still the critical success factor that no organization is really excelling at at this point in time. When it comes to convenience and pricing, those are areas where we're not doing so well as a whole and where organizations are still struggling to say, what is a differentiated consumer experience and how do I kind of put that into play as I develop and execute, implement my ambulatory strategy? That certainly was one takeaway. That's an area where we all still have room for improvement. And then pricing as a component of that as well. This was one area where across all types of organizations, academic medical centers and community-based organizations, this still surfaced as an area where we all recognize we have room for improvement. We found that very refreshing to see that organizations in a self-assessment were scoring themselves low on pricing, not offering sufficient pricing detail, not enabling consumers to be able to navigate informed pricing based on websites. So not necessarily surprising, but an area of common challenge across all organizations. A third thing that we found surprising and pretty insightful, during one of the strategy sessions, we had a lot of conversation around org structure. We know that ambulatory org structure is complex, and it seemed like many organizations, even though this has been a focus and maybe they had their org structures in place in the past, as the ambulatory landscape evolves and increasingly encompasses digital capabilities and different sites of care, different access points for consumers, having that org structure that you can effectively leverage and manage across all care settings seem to also be elusive and kind of a point of focus. This is another area where there's no one size fits all. So the benefit of coming together as a collaborative to talk through what does your structure look like? How is that different from what our structure looks like? And what are some of the pros and cons of each was a powerful part of the accelerator, but also a takeaway for us in terms of we've still got a lot of work to do when it comes to thinking about efficient, effective ambulatory org structure. Now we're going to pivot to part two of this episode. Thanks so much to Brianna and Eric for that overview. Now we're going to hear from Jamie Logsdon with some practical examples from a recent project and how we're applying some of these learnings to the ambulatory strategy projects that we do with members. So Jamie, why don't you start at a high level? What are the types of questions we're getting from members around ambulatory strategy? What are they needing our help to solve right now? 
there's a couple themes that we are really hearing repeatedly with our members. One is they're asking us to help identify and quantify the services that are shifting out of hospital sites and out of hospital campuses. They might be facing capacity issues at their hospitals that are requiring them to decamp volumes to other sites, or they might be facing competitor pressures, new market entrants, or other health systems in the area who are building assets to which they have to be able to react and build their own access points in order to maintain market share. That's a pretty broad scope. It is. And so there's a variety of ways that we can go about looking at it. The other thing that I'm seeing a lot of is health systems are coming off of a really challenging year financially. So they don't have the same access to capital that they had before. And at the same time, development and construction costs are skyrocketing. So even trying to do rough order of magnitude on projects, it's not the same as it used to be. As a result, health systems are really needing frameworks by which they can prioritize investments against one another and figure out if they're having different projects competing for capital, which ones to pursue first. I can see how we can help a lot there. Jamie and I got to travel recently. She was talking about one recent, particularly interesting member project. So Jamie, give us the backdrop. I know we're going to blind everything, but there's so much detail here that I think will make it both really specific and it'll be really applicable for many other listeners. Give us the backdrop and the context of this big project you recently did. I worked recently on a project, highly successful health system, doing very well in the market, market share leader, but they were encountering a lot of competitive pressure. So there were a few things going on there. One of them was they had another health system that recently acquired a facility within their market where they were the market share leader. And they had a second competitor who was looking to set up some bigger ambulatory centers right in the communities where they had their strongest presence. So they had to make some decisions around these two markets. They wanted to figure out which market to go and develop first. Let's call them market A and market B. So market A, they're the market share leader, but that's the one where they have a competitor who's really bringing in new assets, new investments, and putting in some new sites. In market B, they had less of a market presence, but they were approached with a real estate development opportunity that would help them gain a foothold. In both cases, the volume opportunity was there, but they were looking at doing developments for different reasons, and they only had capital to really start one in the next year. Jamie, my understanding is they were really asking us to triangulate a number of factors so that they could prioritize different opportunities here, both service line procedure, site, and by market. How do we create a framework to do some of this prioritization? What were some of the key decision points in this case? And maybe what were some unexpected findings along the way? In this case, they had a very strong hospital presence within the market, and they wanted to make sure that whatever projects they did didn't have a detrimental impact on their hospital volume. What they ended up doing was looking at both projects. There is substantial volume opportunity for both. What they wanted to make sure that they did was didn't have any kind of harsh financial impact by moving too quickly on these projects. What we ended up working with them to do was prioritizing the market where they had the lower market share first. And the reason that that worked well there and the reason that I've seen that work well in my health system days is if you can use a market where you have disproportionately low market share, you can take some of the financial returns from that and then apply it to the next project. SG2 takes a really tailored approach when we do market prioritization. We look at a number of market factors and then weight those factors based on the client objectives. There's several that are really universal. One factor is just looking at baseline volume and forecasted growth. It's important to first understand, are there even the volumes in the market to support building there? 
in some cases there aren't. And with this client, there was a third market that they were looking at that was great for primary care, but there weren't the surgical volumes to really support putting some sort of full-scale ASC there. So we ultimately moved away from that as a recommendation. Sounds like you need a really hyper-localized demand forecast. Another factor that is particularly important within looking at prioritizing markets is demographics. There is a reimbursement differential if you are doing a case on a hospital campus versus doing it in an ambulatory site of care. It's important to have, in many cases, that adequate commercial base to make sure that you're getting the reimbursements that will support the center financially. Weighing two markets against one another and not considering other factors, a health system's mission or payer dynamics or things like that, just looking on the surface, if you're comparing two markets, go for that one where you have the higher commercial base because you're going to have better revenues as a result. The third area that is consistent across market prioritizations is competitive footprint. If you're trying to decide where to go and you have kind of a white space analysis, what you want to be able to do is look at areas where you have disproportionately low market share. You want to make sure that you are building additional access points there. That will also support having more incremental volumes, which when you have this reimbursement differential kind of dynamic that's going on, it helps to somewhat offset some of that because you are building market share and building growth there as opposed to just moving cases from your hospitals. I can see one that you love this stuff. And two, your financial background really kind of playing out and how you do this prioritization. It's great. What's the next step after this prioritization? I think that's an area of particular challenge right now for health systems because workforce is such a constraint. You can't out-strategize the workforce challenges right now, but how do you move from framework to implementation? The first thing is making sure that you're making the case to your leadership team to get the capital. Projects have to be financially viable and you need to make sure that there is a focus and a prioritization put at a health system level to be making these investments in ambulatory sites of care. From there, a lot of it is turning this into operations. And I think one of the main things that we learned when we went through this as a health system was you need to have dedicated ambulatory operations resources, especially if you are traditionally a hospital-based organization. Trying to take a hospital president and asking them to take underneath them the management of ASCs that are within their hospital footprint doesn't necessarily work. The other thing is staffing and scheduling. If you're going to try to staff and schedule these sites, What's really important, especially because you're making less money per case, is having a lot of efficiency and making sure you're turning the rooms and turning things over a lot more quickly. That's not the way that a lot of hospital outpatient centers or hospital outpatient ORs have operated. You have to take a completely different mindset when it comes to scheduling and how you staff those operations so that you can run as efficiently as possible. With all that in mind, are they asking us to answer some additional tougher questions to go deeper in some areas? Yeah, specific to this project that we worked on, they really liked the framework that we put together for estimating the volumes and determining what services they should have at a new site of care. What they ended up doing was applying that to a new and adjacent market to say, now we need you to go ahead and estimate volumes and tell us whether or not it's a viable option to put a new site in this area that's adjacent, but maybe not in the scope of what we looked at earlier. Market adjacency and expanding the footprint is one of the things that they looked at. More generically, 
one of the things that not necessarily applicable to this specific project, but that we see quite a bit is we might identify that there's a great need, for example, for GI services in a local community. That may not translate if you don't have the provider footprint or the provider complement to really have those services be available. If you already are facing recruiting challenges within a service line, it might open up a whole lot of other questions around service distribution and whether or not you have optimized a service line for even being able to allow those specialty services within the community. So we're also seeing a lot of add-on service line planning projects from these things because there's recognition when they're going through and planning that, oh, wait, this is great that you say that you're moving CV services to office-based settings, for example, but we don't have any providers to do that. So help us now figure out how we best optimize the provider footprint that we have and the provider complement we have within CV services so we can actually get this done. Any unexpected learnings or findings during this project? What used to maybe take them 12 months of lead time from beginning to end is now taking 18 to 24 months just because they're facing the same supply shortages, construction issues, and workforce issues for construction that people are seeing within other industries. That's been a real learning for me as much as health systems are trying to accelerate the work they're doing, they're also seeing a lot of challenges with things that are completely out of their control, like construction timelines and costs. Jamie, thanks so much for using this example to share our frameworks, approaches, and many of the challenges that we see along the way during inventory projects. I really appreciate your insight and perspective. Thanks for having me today, Trevor, and hope we can help more members soon. Thanks so much for listening to SG2 Perspectives. As always, I really value your feedback, input, comments, or ideas for episodes, and you can reach us at sg2perspectives at sg2.com. Additionally, I recommend that you check out some of the other Vizient podcasts, which cover a range of clinical and operational areas. Those can all be found at vizientinc.com backslash podcasts. Mm-hmm.